0: Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show where obfuscation is either a medical condition, a French food topping, or just our host babbling on. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from hot and humid Concord, North Carolina. In tonight's show, we are going to talk about smoking Oriental tobaccos. I've gotten through all seven and got my notes all ready for you. And, standing by on the telephone right now, on hold, he can't hear what we're saying, but we're ready for him. J.T. Cook is back, and we'll get through the rest of my questions, hopefully, maybe, and then uh, get him to talk about uh, driving fast at the end. Uh, And, in music, uh, got a piece of music and a new uh, musician pointed out to me by one of our listeners, so that'll be fun. Mailbag. Rant, all that coming up in tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And I gotta say, I'm a, I'm a little uh, sad, I'm a little tired, I'm a little excited, all at the same time. Uh, why? Because today was moving day for all of our merchandise. Yeah, all the Brigham products are now on their way up to Richmond, Virginia. The moving company came here and packed up everything today. They'll all be delivered up there to the Sutliff offices tomorrow, so it's kind of sad to look around the warehouse out there and know that it's all empty, but at the same time, it's also exciting because, hey, this new thing with Sutliff and McBaron is getting going. Um, I will tell you, though, that we picked the wrong couple of days to start doing this. It's been 90 plus degrees here, and our little warehouse has uh, no uh, no air conditioning in it, so... I've been out working in the warehouse the last five or six days for an average of 12 hours a day, getting prepped and getting everything ready to move, and I am tired from the heat. I mean, I am so tired from the heat that I don't even want to drink. That's how tired I am, but anyway, I did get a chance to get some smoking done for you, so we'll get to that in just a minute in pipe parts. Everybody sit back, relax. You guys fire up a bowl. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go. This is Internet Radio. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today.
1: Cup of Joe's, a name you know, a name that you trust for all your tobacco needs. Exclusive pipes, pipe tobacco, accessories, pipe stands, and so much more. Cuppa Joe's is the one place you can go and take care of every single one of your tobacco purchases. Fast shipping, friendly, professional service. One site, CuppaJoe's.com. And coming soon, their new line of smoking man pipes. CuppaJoe's.com. Quality products and extraordinary prices. We are back,
0: and let's start talking about those Orientals. All right. So here's what I did for the first round of it. I've taste tested each one individually. I smoked each one in a dedicated Missouri Meersham corn cob. Yes, seven corn cobs were sacrificed for this, but I'll be able to use them later for other things. And I smoked each one about three or four times. Then I went back and I also grabbed one of my more moderate to a smaller size, sweeter smoking briar pipes. And I smoked at least a bowl of each in that individual pipe. Cleaned it out in between each one so that I got a fresh taste of it. And overall, here's my notes. Not much of a difference between the seven. Alright, the differences are... Some, there's a few that are dramatic, but the differences are very subtle between them. Let me go through, in, in the order of the picture that we posted on the forums, or on the uh, page for the previous show when we talked about it. Uh, Kevin, I don't remember what show was that. Uh, that was episode 100, Okay, where we posted the uh, picture of the seven blends, and from top left... The Ishmere was a, uh, was a very dry feeling and a finer cross-cut blend, so I wonder if that kind of led to losing some of the moisture out of it. It reminded me of an alfalfa, and, an alfalfy kind of tasting burley, which I thought was interesting because usually when I pick up alfalfa, it's from a young Virginia, but it had a little bit of spice to it. Uh, it did burn the hottest of all seven of them, And once it got going, it had a really good balanced taste to it. Now, again, I'll say with all seven of these, not one of them did I really enjoy it straight. So these are definitely meant for blending in my book. Uh, Next, we went on to the Bosma. The Bosma had more dark pieces in it than any of the other blends. So I'm wondering if it wasn't a little bit of a mixture and maybe not just a true straight Bosma varietal. Uh, But it was very easy to smoke. And had not much of a real, true, detectable flavor. It had a little bit of an aroma in the room and a little bit of flavor, but nothing really jumped out at me. Uh, the Black Sea Sokum was the most varied in color and had a sweeter kind of an acrid taste. So instead of a pungent aroma, it had a sweet kind of a sweet kind of an acrid kind of a. Um, I kind of descri- I felt like it was kind of like an old alcoholic taste to me. Um, very light smoke. Interesting room note. The room note was almost cigar-like. And I, uh, I didn't smoke them in the house, but I did smoke them a couple of times in the office here. And that one had kind of a cigar flavor hanging in the air. Uh, that one, I really enjoyed it a lot. Almost enough that I would smoke it straight. Uh, moving right along to the Samsoon, and then the, uh, the Samsoon had a very interesting flavor to it. Um, again, that Turkish uh, sugary kind of an aromatic taste uh, hit more on the back of my tongue than any of the others. Uh, it was, until I really got to the Black Sea, it was my favorite of all at that point and i think it was just because it had a good balance of flavor it was on the back of my tongue and it and it was, seemed to have very very low nicotine to it now maybe the the samples that i'm smoking are aged for a while but seemed like it was a very uh, a very low impact uh, a low impact tobacco the yneja was a shag cut which i thought was interesting how it was kind of it was really cut like a uh, like what we'd see in cigarette or roll your own tobacco uh, a very soft, very soft flavor that maybe because of the shag cut reminded me of the Virginia uh, of the Virginia European cigarettes of old before they went and screwed all those up in uh, 2004, five, and six. Um, had that very uh, that kind of that dry taste to it, but the dry sugary taste that I really like from some of those really good cigarettes of old. And then the last two, uh, drama, which I went into this thinking that was going to be my favorite. Um, really aromatic. I mean, when I mean really aromatic, I mean really aromatic. Had a lot of room note, a lot of taste compared to the other seven. Had an almost pungent taste. an almost, It kind of almost turned my tongue up. And it was hitting right on the front of the tongue. And it was just a, a really pungent taste taste and the only time i've had that reaction before was when i've smoked uh, straight perique so that was kind of interesting the drama had a really really good aftertaste so the aftertaste on it was better than the regular taste um and it did it did give me a buzz so i'm thinking there's a lot of nicotine a lot of impact to it which might explain why i've Always liked blends that had drama in it before. And last but not least, the Catarini. Caterini was very light, had a light sweetness, hit the back of the tongue, and had kind of a fragrantly floral room note to it. So less pungent, less acrid, just a nice floral note out in the air. I could definitely see that uh, kind of counteracting a Latakia and working well with that. But there's the seven of them. The next process is I have broken up some Virginias and mixed them all about uh, 15, well, about 20% of the varietal mixed in with the Virginia. I tried to mix enough to get two or three bowls out of it. And I'm sitting and letting those age for a little bit or marry with each other because it's really not fair until they've had about a month or two to sit with each other. And we'll try those out. All right, in just a minute, J.T. Cook will be on the phone.
1: There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com.
2: Signore, signore, scusi per favore. But what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe?
3: Oh, uh, this is Molto my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on SutliffMoltoDolce.com.
2: Do you mind if I try? Oh, signore, this truly is molto dolce, so charming that you even speak my language, as it is truly very sweet. (laughs) Just like you, I am sure, I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. (laughs) Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. It is like they are all having a giant, playful pillow of fight on smooth and silky sheets of tobacco in my mouth. Pure heaven. Mi piace moltissimo, mio amore. Can't you see it, signore?
3: I can see it. I can see it.
2: And, signore, best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore. <laughs>
3: Hey! Sightlift <laughs> Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Malta Dolce blend in public.
0: Please welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the demented uncle of American pipe makers JT Cook of the wonderful state of Vermont.
4: Yes, I'm here, Brian. Yeah. And you yeah, ma- managed to track me down again.
0: And you came back, so it wasn't that painful the first time, which is always nice. No,
4: no, there is an ointment for that.
0: <laughs> Ain't nothing a shot can't
4: cure. Mm, yeah, and uh, I, I won't tell you what the formula is.
0: <laughs> Nor will you tell us. That. Well, we'll talk about formulas that you won't talk about in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but in the meantime, when we left off last time, you were uh, you were working for Barry Levin doing restoration stuff, and you started making your own pipes. And then yep. we all know that uh, Barry Levin passed away way too soon. Yeah. Uh, what What'd you do from there?
4: Well, fortunately, I'd at, by that time, uh, as things moved along, I the demand for. More specific restoration work had, had gotten pretty high, and I was doing an awful lot of stem reproductions, uh, all without the manufacturer's authorization, I might say, which ended up <laughs> being a problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was making Dunhill stems, Barling stems, camoy uh, stems, Sheraton, Costello, uh, Radici, uh, pretty much anything under under the sun. I was doing a lot of that, a lot of work, uh, (laughs) not great pay. (laughs) Yeah, people still thought that a stem was a $5 afterthought stuck on the back of a $200 pipe. You mean Uh, it cost more than that? By Jiminy, it sure did, <laughs> and nobody seemed to realize that it was an, uh, uh, actually a lot more difficult to make a stem to fit an already finished pipe than it was to make the stem and the pipe at the same time. So, yeah, but it again, it was it was a great education and really helped me. Uh, develop what it was that I was trying to put into a pipe so it let me refine the the stuff that I was exposed to and hopefully take the, the best from all the different brands and combine them into my own which you can see at cookpipes.com sign up today
0: <laughs> and, and it also taught you how to live on not much money and very little food at the same time
4: yeah, and how to how to shiver because when you when you shiver you're actually moving and it keeps you from freezing in place. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, do I remember right? Did you sign? You signed a lot of the back of the stems.
4: Yeah, at, at one point, uh, began to notice that there were aside from Barry, there were a few other players in in that, that market of estate pipes and occasionally a pipe would come up and it would go around to you know a variety of, of owners and it would come back to us uh, through trades or whatever and I'd look at it and go oh that's one of my stems on, on there and little digging and we f- could find out that they were being sold as all original. So I made it a policy then and there that on the face of the stem I put a little R for reproduction because uh, I certainly didn't want to be part of anything fraudulent going on.
0: So and those I of do- you at home with uh, with estate yeah. pipes... <laughs> pull them out, look on the face of the stem uh, that, would, that would butt into the, into the tenon or into the mm-hmm. mortise and uh, there might be a little, uh, little signature there.
4: Yeah, a little R for reproduction. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if anybody else is doing that now. I, I don't keep up with that side of the, the marketplace, but I, it, for me it was, it was important.
0: Now, I'm going to jump over. I'm going to mention a few things real quickly here because I want to talk about the difference between restoring a pipe and what I call re-engineering a pipe. (laughs) Uh, And here's my reasons for this. Uh, Number one, you have developed your own proprietary bowl coating. You have your own exact measurements for diameter of draft hole in conjunction with diameter of the air hole through the stem, and yep. all that. Uh, not only that, you've also, if I remember right, developed your own stains and dyes and all kinds of I don't know weird mad scientist crap <laughs> down there. That, yeah. So when you are restoring, when you are restoring a pipe. You were cleaning it all the way back to the original dimensions Yep. without removing any of the original wood, just cleaning out the gunk and making sure that the measurements were dead on to the originals. And then if you had to match the stain because there might have been a boo-boo on it, you figured Mm -hmm. out how to match those stains and figured out what the materials were that they used.
4: Yep. Yep. Uh, Great, great education. Um, working with a, a lot of crazy uh, kind of out-of-the-ballpark uh, stuff to try to recreate finishes uh, or, or, or whatever. A lot of experimentation went on before I was going to try something new on, on somebody else's prized possession. So there was a lot of research that um, both Barry and I did. Um, He, you know, bust the chops of of his contacts um, to people that that knew stuff or knew somebody that knew stuff. So, yeah, a a lot of research and development went on, Brian.
0: And that's the reason why I am so adamant against people using their – Cleaning the bowls down to fresh wood, and then putting yeah. in a new bowl coating, or using a drill to clean out the mortise or the uh, draft or the draft hole, and so on and so on.
4: Uh, yeah, um, unfortunately, there is a, a lot of re-engineering that that goes on. Um, I know people think they're improving upon somebody else's product, but they're really not.
0: And you won't take one of your pipes back that's been that's had the bowl coating removed.
4: No, no. They essentially they've ruined the piece. Yeah, it's the, the bowl coating is a, a two step process. We worked t- over a year on on developing the whole thing. And if somebody is ignorant enough to take that pipe and go back to raw wood, they've already changed the dimensions of what the pipe is supposed to be, and essentially it's ruined. And likewise, when they uh, redo the air hole, um, which I know is real popular, um and I can guarantee you, you do that to one of my pipes and it's not going to smoke properly. I don't care who advocates it, it's not going to work right. So, yeah, that some of the I know I used to do a fair amount of uh, uh, consultation for uh, one of the pipe publications out, out there. I'd get questions about restoration and. and they finally stopped calling and asking me stuff because I would get so, so angry and mad at the stuff that people were doing to to their pipes. It's like, well, don't even bother to ask Cook, because he's he's just going to get up on the on the work table and start calling s- s- some poor guy a stupid idiot and a bunch of four-letter words. <laughs>
0: So, so, so this is this is where I got some of my foundation in that if you want a fish dinner don't go to a steakhouse.
4: Exactly. Uh, yeah, precisely. Yeah.
0: And and in that same model of don't tell the cook no pun intended, sorry. Uh don't tell the chef what to do. Let's talk about our a couple of grand experiments of ours where I gave you a couple of ideas and some drawings, and I thought I knew what I was doing and measured them out and this, that, and the other and went at it. And one of them was a reproduction of a 1928 Dunhill uh, Saturn-shaped pipe out of a Dunhill Christmas catalog or something that I saw it. And mm-hmm. I I thought I gave you basically the measurements for it and told you this is what I wanted, and you said, okay, do you want me to do this? I said, yeah, do that. Okay. And you did that. Yeah. And I got the pipe. Yeah. And at the same time that I got the pipe, you said, while doing that, I was thinking about this and looking at that, and I want to try something. So I said, okay, go ahead, try it. Yeah. And here comes the second version of the pipe, which is basically the answer to everybody. The, the answer to the, to the problem yeah. is... <laughs> When dining in a restaurant and you don't know what the hell's going on in the kitchen, don't tell the chef exactly how to make it.
4: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: because the second version of basically my my concept, but without me getting in the way of all the dimensions and finite ideas, the second version is dramatically, dramatically, dramatically better, and yeah. actually functions as a pipe.
4: Yeah, the the original is essentially a sound idea and a reasonable design on its own. It's one of those things that first time around it's like, eh, it's acceptable, it will function, but if you wanna if I wanna take the design further so that the whole thing works as a unit it's definitely got to be tweaked, and I still re- I remember I remember that that piece. I still have your your drawings, Brian, <laughs> that you sent me for that and the standing Dublin.
0: Yeah, that one failed grandly. Thank you. Oh
4: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that that went right on it right on its face. But you know, there's only one way to find out. Um, but yeah, and I actually ended up making myself. Uh, one of those Saturn pipes because there were still some things that I wasn't satisfied with. And at some point, eventually, I may make another one.
0: Um, When you find yourself with a week where you have nothing to do?
4: (laughs) That ain't happening. I tell you, when, when they plant me, You know, um, this hand is going to come out of the grave, you know. I'm not done yet. i still got (laughs) some special orders that need to be taken care of. But, yeah, the the Saturn pipe may get one more go-round if I'm crazy enough to to do it or I think I know what I'm doing, which is really dangerous um, when I think I know what I'm doing. But yeah, there there there's some things I don't like about the versions, all the versions I've made of that. And at, at some point, I may wake up in the middle of the night and have the answer.
0: I'm going to put a picture of mine up on the show page for this episode and it is one solid piece of wood there's no splices no trims no nothing else in it whatsoever it's one piece of wood that happens to have a completely smooth ring around it
4: yeah yeah i tell you that was turning that that critter on the lathe was another exercise in holding one's breath and also standing in the proper position so that if the thing explodes between the jaws, that none of the pieces are going to hit me. <laughs> because the, the angle that the blade has to go in in order to cut those rings, uh, I remember going up and down stairs between the, the drawings that I was working on and the lathe and the blade, just figuring out how much room is there, and the answer is you know, there is no extra room. You you get one shot at, at this; otherwise, that, that's a piece of thirty-dollar firewood. Uh, yeah,
0: we're gonna we're gonna take a break right here. When we come back, I'm gonna ask JT to explain to you explain to everybody about the stem so stay with us we'll mm-hmm. be back in just a minute
4: i'm not just a pipe smoker i'm a Meersham pipe smoker all of my pipes come from meerschaumstore.com they've been in business for 50 years and i can trust that there will be no hassles orders are processed and shipped fast and they have every shape you can imagine including calabash claws dragons horror even a sexy series meerschaumstore.com The most trusted Mearsham store for 50 years.
5: Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years
0: This is Internet Radio. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show talking to J.T. Cook from the state of Vermont where there used to be more cows than people. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the cows got smart and left. Yeah. Yeah, I I think they got
4: burgerized.
0: Yeah, or all uh, all the Flatlanders moved up there and the cows got
4: scared. Yeah. Yeah, well, the cows wised up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we done got invaded.
0: Yeah, so anyway, going back to uh, my pipe, if you look at the picture on the show page, you'll see that it has uh, multiple layers of different colors and swirls of colors Mm -hmm. inside the stem, and that's because you pour your own material to make your own stems.
4: Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that I've been doing... Uh, pretty much right along. Um, yeah, it uh, originally I pulled that out of the hat because we, were, we, when I was working with Barry, we would get a lot of meerschaum pipes, particularly case-fitted pipes, with either a broken stem or the stem completely missing. Um, and it would kind of ended up being old home week. For me because when I was at, at RISD, I did a fair amount of uh, casting in a variety of, of projects, and that I had picked up from my dad, who was a biology teacher. And when DuPont first introduced their clear casting resin, um, he cast, he was a biology teacher, and he cast uh, bugs and a rattlesnake skull and a variety of stuff in clear casting resin. So I was kind of familiar through the various curse words uh, (laughs) working with the material and the different problems with it. So when I started working on the Meerschaums, I got heavily involved in working with the material. And it just, it seemed to me Seeing what was on the market, I, I saw some stuff that was was pretty garish, uh, and so came up with my own ideas, which people either love or they hate. Um, it and <laughs> uh, they've been called uh, tardy, and the one I really love is clown stems. <laughs> Because of some of the color combinations, uh, that does not deter me. Uh, it's it's again, uh, you know, if you if you want a steak, don't go, you know, where they're serving shu- sushi. Um, so it's it's been fun to be able to combine uh, some of the classic pipe shapes with uh, a little more. Uh, Creative uh, color work with with the stems.
0: Is it? It's also fair to say that you, the way you shape your stems, your stems are a little thicker than what a lot of people are doing now on the market.
4: Yeah, uh, it. I pretty much over the last couple of years, I standardized it a little better because for a while they were ending up getting thicker and the lip button wasn't really exactly what I wanted. So I really had to buckle down and get absolutely precise with the way I wanted things shaped. And it does, it does vary from pipe to pipe because each pipe is different. Weight distribution is different. Um, how how the stem is going to be held. And I always have to presume that at, at some point this is not going to be a handheld pipe, but somebody is going to clamp this in their jaw and go do something. So it, it has to be comfortable under a variety of circumstances. And the, the
0: stems are comfortable. They're easy to hold, at least for the, the pipes that I own. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it does it gives a better it gives a better profile in my mouth to hold on to the pipe a little bit easier.
4: Yeah, I think uh, having looked at a lot of stuff, seen a lot of stuff, I, I, to a, uh, to some degree, uh, a little some of them may be a little bit more stylish than others, but maybe not as comfortable. And I realize it's it's like anything else. Somebody wants a, a Porsche, somebody else wants a Ferrari. They're, you know, from brand to brand, they're different. But essentially what I tried to do is crossbreed uh, a Barling uh, with a Castello, And that's kind of where the genesis of, of the stem came from.
0: So you got but. an Italian guy that drinks beer in the afternoon and a... British guy that drinks Chianti at night
4: (laughs) or in some case they're drinking it all day long and they really don't know yeah (laughs) but it's like anything else Brian Uh, anytime I think that I I really know something or I've got something down that's an automatic sign that I'm in trouble and that I have to re re re-examine my assumptions uh, there's always room for improvement in in any area of pipe making, in every area of pipe making. There's always room for improvement. Um, experimenting should never, for me, should never stop. Um, it, there's, <laughs> as evidenced by my living room, there's always stuff in, in the works, uh, a lot of which never sees the light of day, but it's important that the work goes on.
0: And there was also a time when you were goofing around with little aluminum flakes inside the acrylic.
4: Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. There there are some early ones that looked like a a bad hot rod from like the nineteen sixties that it had entirely too much Ed Roth going <laughs> on with them. Yeah, and I do (laughs) – I got a couple of containers that are filled with failed stem experiments. They're just some really atrocious-looking stuff down there. They sound good in, in, in my head with that little voice that talks to me, and they look good when I'm mixing them up, and I think it's going to be great when I pour them and by the time they come out the other end and they've been cured, and I actually put them in a lathe and cut into them, they are just butt ugly they're just <laughs> yeah, anything that could go wrong just does go wrong uh and it's a good reminder that I really don't know much
0: yeah <laughs> you're you're just there to hold on to the wood and let it do it let it do its thing.
4: Well, the, yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's uh, not far from, from the truth. Uh, Mother Nature has, has really done the majority of the work. Uh, my, my job is to not screw it up any more than possible.
0: One last question going back to this pipe, because when you and I were talking about the pipe and the in the original size and everything, I had one specific tobacco in mind for it. Uh, do you think that a bowl size or a bowl shape or a, a, a type of pipe works better for one style of tobacco versus the other?
4: In, in general, yeah. I mean, there are always going to be exceptions to the rule, and so much of that is dependent... On the smoker, it's not just the pipe, or and it's not just the tobacco. It's also uh, the person that's loading it, uh, that's smoking it, and all you know, and cleaning it, et cetera, et cetera. But in general, yes, a smaller tobacco chamber generally works better for Virginia's. uh, A larger tobacco chamber works primarily better for anything else (laughs) yeah in other words i wouldn't be getting a a pot shaped pipe and loading that up with virginia's because probably about a half halfway down you could weld with the heat generated from one of those things well there you go yeah the uh
0: the, the current JT cook pipes that are available through your website, mm-hmm. cookpipes.com cookpipes.com. Yeah. Is it fair to say really that, that, that somewhere the, the, the 1999 P and T pipe of the year was really what launched you into your own independent career without having to worry about doing restoration work and all that. And then being able to focus on developing your current style.
4: Absolutely. Uh, and I, I credit a lot of that uh, to Chuck Stanion uh, and his willingness to, to take a chance on me. That really was, a, again, a wonderful opportunity where I was working on one shape, one design, where that was a given. And not that there's anything free in this, but we're within the confines, of those narrow confines of uh, the problem, to be able to develop all the stuff that goes along with it and work on refining one area or another. Uh, I spent a, I think, just shy of a solid year uh... doing those pieces uh... and we've since i uh, did another pipe of the year maybe i don't know dozen years ago or so uh... that was a different shape and a different set of requirements but that really did introduce me to the larger audience um, some people were aware of, of the restoration work that I was doing, and very few people at that point realized that I made pipes. So it really did open it up uh, for me, and, and it allowed me to spend a, a year working on the blasting process, uh, which was, again, a w- wonderful opportunity and a real education. If I, if I think I know something, Uh, I'm going to get showed up. (laughs) I ruined a lot of stuff, (laughs) Brian. Yeah. Turned an awful lot of firewood up here.
0: Uh, Speaking of the blasting process, on JT's website, cookpipes.com, there's pictures of the various stages of the blasting process. Mm Mm-hmm. And you can see the pipe go from a big block of wood to less wood and less wood and less wood.
4: Less wood and less wood, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, that P and T pipe was also one of the uh, one of the rare occasions where that pipe sold out pretty quick. Uh it was two hundred and fifty to three hundred and fifty dollars for the pipe, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yep. And nowadays, even on the estate market, you can't touch a used one for less than I 550 six hundred dollars so, yeah
4: yeah uh, that
0: yeah. that also helped elevate your uh, price to the point where you can you know like buy food
4: yeah which is a nice a nice thing uh, anybody that well I can't say anybody uh, most people if they if they get into pipe making and think they're going to make a lot of money uh, they're sadly delusional Let's put it this way, Brian, I really can't afford my own stuff, okay? (laughs) I don't sit around here and decide, oh, Tuesday I'm going to make a pipe for myself. I think maybe once every two years I may make myself a piece simply because a lot of experiments have built up and it's time to put them all into one thing and I better test it before I put it on the market uh, but, yeah, when they when they spend the money on one of my pieces, we do take PayPal, um, they're getting their money's worth. It's not an arbitrary price. Um, they're <laughs> untold hours that go into to making these darn things. If I was smart, I'd be making smooth pipes and the or the blast would be a, a secondary market. I haven't made a smooth pipe in years, and I have absolutely no desire to, even though it, it takes much longer to make a blasted pipe than it does a smooth pipe. They're not even in the same league as far as, as man hours are concerned.
0: So your, uh, your desire for quality over quantity is now pushed up an average pipe into 20 to 25 hours worth of work?
4: Oh, at, at this point, it's more than that, Brian. Um, although, again, I don't know how many pipes I make a year. I don't want to. And I don't know precisely how many hours I put into a pipe. I don't want to. Um it's whatever it takes to get it where it has to be. The, it, the only way I can do this is to do everything I can at any, on in any given workday to make the best possible thing I can do. The minute you start cutting corners, or the minute I would start cutting corners, to make more money or make more pieces, this stops becoming a passion and it becomes a job. And this has never been a job to me and I don't want it to be. I don't care if it takes 30 hours to make a pipe or if it takes 50 hours to make a pipe. When I look at it, come when it's finally done and I can look at it, even on older pieces, I want to be able to look at that pipe and go, I did the absolute best job I knew how at that time. So that's kind of the only way that I've been able to succeed. If if this is indeed success, I don't really know.
0: <laughs> you, you'll find out when you're finished.
4: Yeah. <laughs> when that hand comes out of the grave and somebody hands me a block of wood and tells me to get off my, my lazy butt. <laughs>
0: Uh, one last thing. Are you still taking commissions?
4: Yes. Um, go, if people go to the website, cookpipes.com, there is a way you can uh, commission a pipe. I, I will say that things are a little different now. I'm not doing so much of the crazy stuff anymore. In other words, people used to send me in a sketch and say, <laughs> make this for me. I know those
0: people personally.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't do that anymore. It's basically the in amongst all the stuff that I, all the different shapes and colors and sizes, within that uh, family of of pipes, I will make special stuff. Uh, but the days of me making a blowfish pickaxe slash camel's hump uh, slash tail whale are are over plus, uh,
0: plus i want it with three stems all varying in length by one and one eighth inch uh,
4: probably ain't gonna happen yeah uh, there <laughs> are other people out there who would be glad to to do that for you but uh, it ain't me babe no 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 it ain't me babe
0: And if you want to talk about, uh, as opposed to making pipes slower and slower, if you want to talk about driving fast (laughs) or making fast motorcycles or modifying cars that use the faster cars possible, if you're at the Chicago pipe show or at the, uh, West coast pipe show, you can run into JT there and You guys can sit and talk for hours about figuring out ways to go faster on land.
4: Yes, and hopefully not through the air. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Try to be avoided at all costs. Maintain
0: some rubber on the road at all times.
4: Yeah. My days of being magnificent, Mr. Toad, you know, it's got to have wheels, folks. (laughs) Got to have wheels.
0: JT, thank you again for coming back and uh, glad I got to share some of my stupidity in public and you've <laughs> well, tolerated it, it for me. many years, so you get an award for something.
4: <laughs> Surviving Knockwood. Well, I do appreciate seriously, Brian, I did appreciate the, the opportunity to to do this and hopefully clarify some stuff and hopefully confusify some stuff. And once again, you know, if, if people want to see what it's what it's all about and see how much fun one guy can have and actually get paid for it uh, go to cookpipes.com and en- enjoy it because I certainly am
0: and I didn't once call you Jimmy Joe Bob the whole time
4: yes Brian oh. levitation yeah, yeah. <laughs> Laverne yeah Brian Laverne is that like Brian Laverne and Shirley Yeah. yeah
0: Shirley you're kidding Um, Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Thanks again. We'll be back
1: in just a minute. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. The year was 1849. Zachary
6: Taylor was sworn in as the 12th president of the United States. The U.S. flag remained fixed at 30 stars. Edgar Allan Poe was found dead in Baltimore. Congressman Abraham Lincoln patented a buoying device, the only patent ever filed by a future president. William Bond was the first person to photograph the moon through a telescope. And gold was discovered in far-off California. And in that same year, also in California, Henry Sutliff founded his small tobacco company in San Francisco. Founded on the principles of giving the public superior tobacco products for those with very discriminating tastes. Now, 165 years later, that tradition continues. Sutliff Tobacco Company has been setting the standard for pipe tobacco ever since. Take a quiz on our website to have the perfect blend suggestion for your tastes. Or just browse around to explore all of the wide variety of fine products America's oldest pipe tobacco company has to offer. Lots of things have changed since 1849, but Sutliff Tobacco Company's commitment to making the finest pipe tobacco on earth has not. Visit sutliff-tobacco.com for information on where you can find all of your favorite blends, from the sweetest aromatics to the richest English mixtures.
0: So as you can tell, JT and I get along really well. I look forward to seeing them at every Pipe show and hanging out with them, and uh, occasionally catching up with them on the phone. Um, in a future episode, we will have one of uh, JT's songs from his band. We'll get that going for you. In the meantime, on music, uh, Pipe's Magazine forum member Bill P. pointed out Dom Flemons, D-O-M-F-L-E-M-O-N-S, He's a uh, younger guy that plays older style music, uh, plays with an 18-inch banjo that's from the 1920s, and he was featured on NPR on the Fresh Air show a couple weeks ago, and he is pictured smoking a pipe, and yes, there's really tobacco on it, or tobacco in it. Anyway, Dom's, uh, the song that we picked out, it's all Dom on there is have I stayed away too long which uh, may be what my wife will be asking after all this travel coming up so anyway here's Dom Flemons <music> album is called Prospect Hill, and it is his first solo album, so uh, check it out. We are also going to reach out to Dom and try to get him on an episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show.
3: Monday, Monday. you've got mail. Tuesday, Wednesday. You've got mail. Thursday.
0: Let's check in on some iTunes reviews, which if you haven't left us an iTunes review, we would appreciate that. Reviews on Stitcher are great as well. Not sure how far back we've gone, but uh, let's see. Hubie1110 says, I really enjoy this podcast. It's like being at a pipe club, being from a small town in Minnesota, and being a younger guy in the hobby makes it pretty hard to get to a real pipe club. And uh, he goes on to say thank you and everything. He was doing eight episodes a day for a while. I think I did read that one before. Um, A-S-A-Z-E-L says, Each week I look forward to this show informative and entertaining. What more could you want? And M.C. fan says, This has got to be the best and most informative podcast that I've come across. Thank you all for your reviews. Appreciate it if uh, everyone would get a chance to go over to iTunes and leave us a review there. Um, in regards to last week's show with Don... Uh, Nola Cajun writes, really enjoyed the interview with Don living in New Orleans. It does my heart good to hear him representing the city with class. Thanks for having Don on the show. Now I just need to get him to one of our monthly Nola Pipe Club meetings. And Saint007 says, I've got to agree with Nola Cajun on this. Very good interview. Mr. Wilbanks must have joined Clear Channel New Orleans right after I left the organization. I decided not to return after Hurricane Katrina and opted for Cajun land instead. I was there from 93 until that fateful day of August 29, 2005. Uh, Looks like one of Mere Queen's pipes clenched in his teeth. And Don, if you read this, tell Gina S. I said hello. She was my favorite sales peep when I was the GSM at WQUE. Uh, Timothy in Vegas... Says, excellent and fun interview. The promo spots were pretty good. I like the wine, tobacco, coffee analogy. I did, too. Uh, Also, our friend John Seiler writes, Hi, Brian. Nice seeing you in Columbus. Bill and I visited the book loft in Germantown before returning to Pittsburgh. They went to go look at books. I looked at animals. Um, I have known of Don Wilbanks, AE5DW, for many years as he... As he, like I, N3JPS, am also ham radio operators. Don is a regular contributor to Ham Nation and Newsline, both amateur radio, internet, uh, cast television shows. I also knew that he is a pipe and cigar smoker. Don's description of the Lorenzo is so good that I can picture him with it walking through a pipe show. He's definitely a good storyteller. This was one of your best interviews. You said so little, and the guests said so much. <laughs> Thanks, John. Yeah, I agree. Though the better interviews are when I'm very, when I do very little. Uh, rant. People are strange. Yep. Uh, Fred says I really enjoyed your conversation with Don Wilbanks. As my father-in-law is also a ham radio operator, and my wife used to work as a sound tech. Back when we were in college, so Don's anecdotes brought back some pleasant memories of my own. I also visited New Orleans for the first time last year and look forward to going back every time I hear someone, especially a resident, talk about it. Thank you both. Somewhat ironically, though, I wound up listening to the air check segment during my morning commute and it reminded me of precisely why I started downloading music and podcasts in the first place. I haven't listened to commercial radio in nearly a decade, and I'm definitely not the target demographic for most morning DJs. Sorry, Don. You're a great conversationalist, but there's not enough caffeine in the world to get me to listen to the morning drive-time radio again. Keep up the good work. Uh, Let's see. Casey Ghost says the interview was quite entertaining. Don can really tell a story. The music was a hoot. Yeah. Not much music. Uh, As for the rant, it reminds me of when God made us top dogs on this planet, that it was to some kind of joke on the rest of the universe. And Brian Fuel Pump says, Great show. I enjoyed hearing the exploits of Don. Radio has always captivated my interest as well. I've been a ham operator for about 20 years, and now it is one of the easiest times to get started for anyone who wants to get into it. The equipment is now cheaper than it has been ever before and one can get started without breaking the bank. Sorry, I could not get over to Ohio last week. I really wanted to, but half, uh, but have a big project going on at work as ham operators say 73s and he signed it, Brian K B nine K P P. So apparently there's this whole secret world of people out there with initials and one number in them. Uh, Didn't know about this whole secret world. But anyway, now we do. Uh, Update on the Pipes Magazine radio show cruise, as I'm now going to call it. We are looking at September. The first two weeks in September, it's looking like the least expensive ticket will be about $510 per person. Uh, $510 per person, that includes the... uh, with the Add the port taxes and the uh, gratuities on there, and you're looking at comfortably about uh, 650 to $700 per person. If you are interested in the cruise, we're looking at four stops in the Caribbean, plus a ship where we will have a smoking lounge indoors available to us 24 hours a day. Uh, if you're interested, please drop me an email, brian at pipesmagazine.com, In order to make this work, we need a total of 32 people, 16 cabins that want to go on the cruise, can go on the same cruise, and we will have a lot of fun. I'm working on five or six uh, special uh, daily pipe club meetings that will last for about two hours. We'll all have group dinners together and it'll be a good time we'll all go out onto the beach and smoke our pipes together so it'll look like a whole parade of pipe people or we can go off on our own and spouses are welcome too there's plenty to do on the ship so if you want to bring your significant other with you you go smoke a pipe with the uh, with the pipe people significant other goes off and does stuff on the ship it's a lot of fun Anyway, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. If we can get to those numbers, we'll start putting it together in uh, more detail. All right, everybody. Rant time coming up next.
3: I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit fourmorgans.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail Fornoggins.com fournoggins.com i can still see you you know a bit rusty sir fournoggins.com the carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation from the blue ridge mountains to the coastal low country It's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, We've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco. Blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellandDeal.com.
4: This is Sean Connery, and you're listening to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Who's going to save you now, Junior?
3: This is Internet Radio. Cowboy. Cowboy.
0: For the first time over the weekend, I ordered a pizza online. I ordered from Pizza Hut, and they have this two-topping deal. So we ordered the pizza because we were working here over the weekend, and it was hot, and I didn't want to go anywhere, and we ordered pizza online. All right, didn't even want to pick up the phone and call somebody. Ordered pizza online, and under the toppings, they have meats, veggies, and specialty. Well, here's my problem with Pizza Hut, and uh, maybe... Maybe they uh, got educated locally. Uh, But anyway, under the veggies, here are the veggie options. And tell me if you see anything stupid about this. The vegetable options are mushrooms, green peppers, red onions, black olives, diced tomatoes, jalapenos, and pineapple. Since when is pineapple a vegetable? And come to think of it, jalapenos are peppers. They're not vegetables either. The definition of a vegetable is it's the leafy or flowery part of the plant, not a pod that has seeds in it. If it's a pod that has seeds in it, it's a fruit or a nut. Get over yourselves. Pineapples, jalapenos, tomatoes, black olives, green peppers are definitely not vegetables. Mushrooms are a fungus. Red onions, you want to call those vegetables? In that case, potatoes are vegetables too. But (laughs) there's not a vegetable on there. Not a true vegetable on there. Want to put broccoli on there? That's a vegetable. Want to put carrots on there? That's a vegetable. Where do they get off with (laughs) pineapple in particular? Jalapenos, black olives, green peppers, tomatoes are all, you know, tomatoes are commonly referred to as vegetables, but they're not. But anyway, hey, Pizza Hut? You know, I realize we don't go to you for uh, education. We don't go to you for high-quality, high-class food. But the pizza tastes good. At least call them non-meat toppings. Something else besides veggies, because not a damn one of them is a vegetable. All right, there you go. Uh, That wraps up this episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. By request, coming up at the end of Happy Trails will be a special command performance of uh, Mr. Subliminal's uh, Middleton's Cherry Blend in two weeks special show to kick off our third, our third year of shows and uh, see me wherever you see me make sure to leave ratings and reviews post comments in the forums I do read them all and I appreciate them all so I hope everybody enjoyed the show thank you again to JT for joining me not once but twice thank you all for tuning in Thank you to the Saltlift Tobacco Company, and until next time,
1: Even though I wasn't uh, chosen to be the Pipes Magazine radio show host, big mistake. I'm thrilled to be here on the show. Could care less. First of all, I want to say that this will be a completely unbiased review of Middleton's Cherry Blend. Aromatic suck. I've been smoking pipes and tobaccos for a very long time, three months, and I know what I'm talking about, clueless. You know, there's a reason Middleton's Cherry Blend has been around for so long, leftover cigarette tobacco. It's because they use the finest leaf available, floor sweepings. Cherry Blend is not your typical cherry mixture, horse manure. It is a fine... Finely crafted cross cut Burley Virginia blend with a wisp of cherry, nowhere to be found, in the background and a solid upfront tobacco profile. Tastes like air. When you open the pouch, the tobacco is fresh and moist, propylene glycol. It lights easily and burns well, 10 relights. There is no tongue bite, completely seared, and the tobacco burns to the bottom of the bowl into a fine gray ash. Goopy mess. I couldn't think of a better way to spend an afternoon than smoking this blend, Root Canal. I would highly recommend Middleton's Cherry Blend. Not to my worst enemy. Celebrity voices are impersonated.